Hey, this is Eastlake BBA, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you. We hope this builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Thank you. Uh, I'm Pat. I'm an alcoholic. Pat. Also, crystal meth addict, um, any drugs, really. Um, codependent, Al-Anon. I have lots of diseases. <laughs> um, so... We had Natasha scheduled to speak, but she got COVID. So um, last minute, um, Louise asked me to, to speak. So thank you. I'm, I'm honored. I'm grateful to be here. Um, it is an honor and a privilege to do this. Um, I love the opportunity. Um, so I want to talk about my experience with alcoholism and drug addiction first. Um, you know, I grew up in a pretty normal well, not normal, but uh, pretty typical um, <laughs> uh, family. I'm uh, second born of, I have four, uh, three siblings, two brothers and a sister. Um, my, uh, my parents are not alcoholics and neither are any of, are any of my siblings. But at a very young age, I, um, I drank. I drank at 10 years old and I drank until I blacked out. And from that moment, that's what my life was all about. It was about drinking, using drugs. It was about partying. It was about anything I could do to get to that place that I, that I was trying to get when I was 10 years old. And I thought, this is what life's all about. This is what, this is what you know. And anybody who doesn't believe that this is what life is all about, there's something wrong with them. <laughs> They're weird, you know, they don't, what do you mean you don't like to party? What's wrong with you? And now and that's how I saw my brothers and my sister. And, um, you know, my mom, she, you know, she's definitely codependent, Al-Anon. She might have some addictive tendencies, but I would never describe her as an alcoholic. Um, so, uh, but a lot of the, the uh, characteristics of the, the spiritual malady part of the disease, my mom has. And... Um, you know, the being full of fear, the being, you know, um, just the, the things that we do, you know, um, nothing's ever good enough, never being satisfied, always concerned about appearances and how, and how I look. My mom was, was haunted by that. But anyway, more about me. I, I got into drugs and I think it was like a, you know, uh, accelerated course of alcoholism, really. I mean, being a crystal meth addict at 14 years old, I mean, I was a daily crystal meth user. That definitely accelerated my uh, spiritual malady, I believe, because, you know, nothing in life could compare to that, to that feeling. And um, so, you know, I never had any goals after that. You know, any, any life you know, career aspirations I had didn't matter anymore. Um, it, life became about how, I'm, how am I going to live and not die from this addiction and still, ha- and still be uh, satisfied? You know, how am I going to pull it off? You know, I don't want to give up alcohol and drugs. There's no way. That's, that's my solution to life. And I had nothing else going on. So 
you know, from the time I was 15 until I got sober at 35, it was a desperate attempt to try to live that double life, you know, trying to make it look like everything's going okay, but really I'm just a hopeless drug addict, alcoholic. And anything I can do to keep that going is, that's what my goal was. I had, I got married, I had kids, but, um, that was all just part of the, of the facade. Um, I couldn't be a father sober. You know, I couldn't do the things that fathers do sober. I couldn't do the things that husbands do sober. I couldn't be a worker sober. Um, so it was always, you know, if I didn't do one drug, I had to do, I had to drink more. If I couldn't drink, I had to, I had to smoke weed. If I couldn't smoke weed, you know, I just played this, this game of what can I get away with? Um, and until I couldn't get away with it anymore, it just didn't work anymore. And also I felt worse. Uh, I wasn't, uh, uh, the solution that had been working, at least so I thought, it really wasn't working anymore. So um, it talks about alcoholism being an illness. Page 18, an illness of this sort, and we have come to believe in an illness, involves those about us in a way no other human sickness can. If a person has cancer, all are sorry for him, and no one is angry or hurt, but not so with the alcoholic illness. For with it, there goes annihilation of all things worthwhile in life. And it's like I said, anything that, that was worthwhile in my life was gone. It, it just didn't matter anymore. It engulfs all whose lives touch the sufferers. I mean, this affected my, my brothers, my sister, my parents. Can't even imagine. You know, I remember, I remember seeing the look on my mom's face when she knew that I relapsed again. You know, I'll never forget that. That still haunts me to this day. My little brother, who was 10 years, 11 years younger than me, um, he hated me for years, even into sobriety. Um, you know, he, he has some, um, some kind of mental disability. He might be on the autism spectrum or, or something like that, but he has a really awkward social, you know, he, just, he has, he definitely is not, you know, hasn't uh, adjusted well to, uh, to life. And he still lives with my parents. He never moved out. And he hated me because he saw the destruction that I was doing to the family. Um, you know, I, I, I actually had a conversation with him today and I remembered, I was, I was thinking to myself after, I was like, that's probably the healthiest conversation we've ever had. And all we talked about was his job, you know? Um, anyway, um, so um, it brings misunderstanding, fierce resentment, financial insecurity, disgusted friends and employers, warped lives of blameless children, not to mention, what did that do to my kids? Sad wives and parents, anyone can increase the list. So I wanted to talk about it as an illness because I never saw it as an illness. And it wasn't until I did that recovery actually worked for me. Um, you know, once I, once I believed I had the disease of alcoholism, I knew what the solution was. Because I'd been going to AA for um, most of my life, 20 years. Not because I wanted to be there, because somebody said, you, you know, you have to get this slip signed. You, you really should go to an AA meeting. 
you need to be in those meetings or, you know, whatever. Um, so I'd heard a lot of stuff and I saw a lot of things. I saw people who recovered. I saw people who took this program seriously. There were a lot of people who didn't, but I remembered the ones who did and, and I saw how their lives changed. So I knew that it worked. So once I believed that it's an illness, I was able to, I was able to do what they did. My first sponsor said, um, you know, it's real simple. We have this simple kit of spiritual tools laid at your feet. You can pick them up if you want to. And um, so uh, there's a solution, page 25. Almost none of us like the self-searching, leveling of our pride, confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others. And we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. Yeah, my life was hopeless, like I was talking about. I, I remember when I got married, the deal was I couldn't do meth. <laughs> that was the deal with my wife, you know. It's in your balance. That was like, I mean, and it, I was so depressed because I couldn't do meth. I mean, it was like horrible. This is horrible. But I couldn't... I got enough, I saw enough of where my life was headed as a, as a tweaker <laughs> that I knew I didn't want that either, you know? So I'm in this place of I can't, I can't do what I did. I can't live sober. What am I going to do? Well, I did what I, write, what I could get away with, what I can get away with. But it was eventually so hopeless and, and futile because uh, it didn't work. So when, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, and I was approached by my first sponsor. Um, you know, he was, the, he was really the first one who really just, like, kept on me. He just, like, he wouldn't stop. <laughs> I'm like, what does he want? What does this guy want? He's trying to sell me something, you know? He's wearing a suit. Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> um, and all he wanted was to, he wanted nothing more than to try to help. And he said, I was just like you. And uh, nobody had ever said that to me before. He said, you couldn't have stopped if you wanted to. And nobody had ever said that before either. So I, I, I started listening. And he told me to call him every day, and I didn't. So after three days, he called me. And he just kept, he just would, this guy would not shut up. <laughs> but somehow I was at that point where I was willing to listen. I was willing to, to hear what he said. And... Um, so I talk about spiritual, well, here, it talks about it here. Um, we have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. The great fact is just this and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. And that's exactly what happened. Exactly that. My whole attitude toward life changed. I, I actually believed that I get a new life. This is a new, my, my new life starts right now. And now for the first time, I actually want to, you know, get to know people in AA. You know, like I'd never, like people had given me their phone numbers before, but I never called. I lost them. Um, people talked after meetings. I never talked. Um, people asked for volunteers to share at a meeting. I never shared. 
never, never wanted it. Never believed I needed it. Um, if I was called on to share, I might, I don't know what the fuck I would say, because I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing there. You know, I didn't believe I belonged there. I just tried to fit in, tried, I don't know, tried to be comfortable, I guess. But now everything changed. Everything changed as a result of this guy approaching me and, and convincing me of the truth, which I could never see before. Um, whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe, toward life. So, you know, I lost my job again at this point. My ex-wife had already taken the kids and moved to Oregon. Um, she threatened to take me back to court. That's how she was able to take the kids to Oregon without my permission. She had a letter written by a, a psychologist that quoted my sons talking about how scared they were of me as their father. And she was going to use that to get sole custody of the kids. So I had to let her, I had to let her go. I had no choice. Maybe I could have fought it, but I didn't think. I knew she was right, <laughs> probably on some level. Um, why did I bring that up? Uh, revolutionized my whole attitude toward life, toward my fellows. So, yeah, so at this point in my life, I thought, well, I just need to get a job so I can pay my child support and keep my wife off my back. And probably a girlfriend, that would help. <laughs> job and a girlfriend, that's all I need. After this happened, now the job didn't matter so much anymore. The girlfriend didn't matter. What mattered was AA. It became the number one most important thing in my life. Total revolutionary change in my life. And God, toward God's universe. Now I want to, okay, what is this God thing? You know, I, I, I remember hearing it can be God as I understand God. Well, that's great because I, I don't want that religion shit, you know. I don't want that shit they tried to, you know, they, they put me in Catholic school and we had religion classes and you're going to hell, you're a sinner, you know. I didn't want any of that. So God as I understand it. Okay, so I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to investigate. What does God mean to me for the first time in my life? And it was like, I just, it, it was all like life was brand new and Alcoholics Anonymous is, that's it. That's it. I heard things like um, anything that, that you put before Alcoholics Anonymous, you're going to lose <laughs> anyway. So you might as well put Alcoholics Anonymous first. And I really took that to heart. And I did that because I had a, um, a short period of sobriety before that. Um, really, it was meth. I, I really wanted to get off the meth. Um, I, was, I was at my parents' house. And I went to, uh, out to the dunes with a buddy of mine, and we were drinking and doing meth. And I, I was probably up for like five days or something and hallucinating. You know, it was, it, was, it was horrible as usual. And I remember I woke up when I was back home in my parents' house, and my mom was waking me up with a glass of water. And she says, God, it sounds like you're dying because I was coughing so much. I didn't even know I was, I was asleep, like unconscious, basically, after not sleeping for five days. Now I'm finally to the point where I can sleep. Anyway, she's like, it sounds like you're dying. You know, here, drink some water. And I could just hear the, you know, she was disgusted, you know, in her voice, you know, how she, you know, how she felt about, about where I was at. And, and then I was disgusted with myself. 
you know, at that point too. It's like, fuck, I'm supposed to be a father. I'm 30, at that point I was 34 years old. I'm supposed to be a father. My ex-wife's gone. She took the kids. What kind of father am I, you know? So that was, I, I say it was kind of a half-hearted attempt at sobriety. I, I did stop using meth. I started going to AA. But I, like I said, I, I didn't want to share. I didn't want to know anybody. I didn't want to get a sponsor. I didn't want to do steps. And when I was, when I was able to see my kids again, I, I stopped going to AA. I thought, oh, the kids are here. You know, they're going to visit for the summer. That's more important than AA, you know? That's what I thought. So I put them before AA. They can't. I don't want them to know I'm going to AA meetings, you know? And then as soon as they, as soon as they left, um, two months without meetings or whatever it was, the summer, two or three months, I, uh, I went out to have a beer with, with some guys from work, and I was off and running again. Um, and I remember that feeling of just like, fuck, I really can't, I really can't drink, you know? And that was really the first time I'd ever even tried. So, um, so put AA first. That's what I learned from that. I was only out for, uh, about six months, pretty much did the whole nine yards again, alcohol, marijuana, pills, meth. Still just as shitty as ever, you know? And that's when I lost my job again <laughs> and ended up back in AA for a fucking court slip that I never, that I, a DUI program I couldn't finish. You know, that was the difference this time. My second DUI, I couldn't finish the, the DUI program because I got kicked out for drinking. I got kicked out for some other, re whatever, you know? I, that was the progression of, of the disease is now I can't finish a three month DUI program. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to talk about it being a spiritual experience. And Appendix 2, it talks about the term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening. Um, and I, I do believe there's a difference. You know, the spiritual experience is what I had when I got sober this last time. And the spiritual awakening is more the educational variety that, that happens from, from doing the steps. And I continue to have spiritual awakenings. I keep awakening more and more as I do this work. Um, if I don't do the work, <laughs> then I, I kind of fall backwards, you know. I get into the spiritual malady. Um, suddenly, I'm resentful. I'm fearful. I'm full of fear. Not suddenly. It's gradual. It's a gradual backsliding into, into the spiritual disease. Um, so thankfully, I've, you know, I, may, I may have, uh, you know, I don't do the, the program perfectly, but I've uh, um, definitely, it's the only thing in my life that I've kept coming back to. I'll, I'll put it that way. I gave up on my marriage. I gave up on my, my career ambitions. I gave up on school. I gave up on girlfriends. Um, but I never gave up on AA. And that's the only thing I can, that in my life that I can say that, um, that I can say that about. Um, so, um, and I realized having that spiritual experience that, that doesn't happen to everybody, but I see it happen. I see it happen a lot. I see a lot in the, in the unity of this fellowship. 
um, you know, the way we welcome newcomers and bring them in and include them and, and, and we honestly want to help them, you know, I, with, for nothing in return. It, it, it talks about it in the doctor's opinion. I think that was part of the, of the reading that Jessica read is uh, um, the unselfishness. Um, yeah, the unselfishness of these men as we have come to know them. The entire absence of profit motive and their community spirit is indeed inspiring to one who has labored long and warily in this alcoholic field. So this is, the, this is Dr. Silkworth talking about AA before it's even born. He sees what's happening in AA and, and, and the, uh, this spirit of wanting to help somebody else and not wanting anything in return. I had that. I still do. It's awesome. Anyway, my time's up. Hope you got something out of that. And uh, thanks. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Oliver, and I am an alcoholic. And, uh, and I just come from, uh, well, to meet with a bunch of guys. We're doing the, the workshop again in Spanish, and it's, and it's a great experience. And, um, you know, I was, I was listening to Pat, man, and, and, and the life of the alcoholic and the, the addict is... So it's amazing how much harm we have done to our lives and or me personally to my life and and while you're doing it, man, that's the only thing that you know how to do. You know, I mean I was I was listening to all the job losses and the kids and I mean and I can relate to all of that. You know, I did all that. You know, I did all that and then the, <clears throat> this weekend I was with uh, my family and, and, and there was a woman there and she asked the group, because in my family we're a bunch of alcoholics, we have a few in the room, we were three. And, and she said, Oliver, I mean, you guys, why do you keep on going to AA every day? I mean, why, what do you talk about every day? I mean, you go on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I mean, every day for what? What do you guys talk about? And you know, my cousin, cute guy, he has 30 some years of, of sobriety, he says, well, I go to meetings to help other people. I said, well, that's interesting. That's a bunch of shit, but that's interesting, right? And, uh, and then I told her, you know something? We go to AA because we don't know how to live without it, man. Our brain is so complicated, and the way that we perceive the world is so different than yours that we need help every day, or at least I need help every day. I need to be able to be connected to the source that gives me sanity every day, and, 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 and part of that source is AA. So... It is a funny thing. It's not a funny thing. It's just, it's, 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 it's a fucking grind, man. That's what I can tell you. It's been a grind. My life has been a grind. It's been, it's been difficult. It's been, it's, it's been difficult to be able to live with myself, right? But also today, what, what's there in AA, man? Why do I keep on coming to these meetings? Why do I keep on working the program? Uh, of course, it's out of necessity, but what it is that I get out of it, man? Peace of mind, right? Happiness. My fears are not as strong. I haven't tried to kill myself for five years, which is a good thing. <laughs> I used to think about that all the time. And, uh, and I get to help people that otherwise I wouldn't be able to help. You know, uh, I still have my issues in life. I still have my doubts in life. But 
you know, being an alcoholic is a good thing today. You know, it's, it's not all about the bad things in life. Today I have so much that I never thought I would ever have. And it has nothing to do with money or career or anything. But I mean, just, I have my children, I can talk to them and I can see them in their eyes. I mean, they trust me, I trust them back. I, I know how to love people. I know how to be in a room without being afraid. <clears throat> you know, thinking to myself or asking myself what it is that everybody thinks about me. I don't give, I really don't give a shit anymore. I just have to be who I am and, then, and I'm okay with that. You know, being able to look at the guy in the mirror every morning and be okay with that guy. You know, when I'm afraid to be compassionate about my fear and not be judgmental, that's, that's, that's huge. And, and for a guy like me that, that, that it was so difficult to live with, uh, let me just ask my ex-wives, I guess, but it's so difficult to live inside of my head. For me, that's huge. You know, to be able to go to bed at night and go to sleep, and that's a wonderful thing. And to be able to create stuff, to be able to think about other things but myself, to be able to love, to be able to have compassion for other people, man, that's, that for me, it's a big one, you know, maybe people do that all their lives, but not me, man, I, how can I love you if I hated myself, so, today I know how to do that, and how valuable is that, well, that's, that's huge, for me, that's huge, today I don't feel as alone as I used to feel before, so, I mean, AA is a wonderful thing, you know, we're coming here broken, but, but we do recover, you know, and that's something that I think I'm going to start sharing more at meetings because the problem, the problem is obvious, you know, we are all struggling to live, but what are the benefits, what, what is the God-given gifts that AA has given me, man, what, how it is that, that I've been able to live and cope with my life today, I mean, what are all those great promises the book talks about, and they do happen. You know, today, doing the homework with the guys, we're going through the problem, we're going through the first step, and, and this lady tells me, yeah, Oliver, but I have the hope that I'm going to recover. I mean, I, I want to say that I'm different, but I don't want to be different all my life. I mean, it's, I want to find a solution. If not, why am I busting my behind with the program? And I said, and she's right. I mean, if we come here to be miserable, man, I might as well go out there and drink again. I mean, it's as simple as that, so. So I think that I have to do a better job, I guess, at meetings and with myself to focus on them, you know, the benefits, the, the freedom, the peace, the serenity, the love, the everything that I have today, right? Because my past, I, I can't forget my past, but what's my past? That's a story, right? And I choose to live in that story or not. I mean, it's done, it's over, I saw it. I know how my experience can benefit others, but I can't live in my past, nor in my future. I mean, being here and present, it's, it's uh, I don't know, I'm stopping on my ass, but I mean, that's what AE has given me today, man. It's just, it's hard to explain. I just, I feel free. And that for me, it's a wonderful gift. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Hey, good evening. <laughs> good evening. Uh, my name is Nick and I'm an alcoholic. What's up, Nick? Uh, I don't know if I have a home group. I guess, yeah, top of the hill. Top of the hill over in Chula Vista, F Street. Uh, I, I would say today that's my home group. My sobriety date is September 26, 2019. Um, I think about what I've been thinking about a lot is um, a long time ago I bought this car 
And when I was buying this car, uh, I was sitting down I was with a woman that I was married to that I didn't really want to be married to, I, but I didn't want to buy a house, so we ended up buying a car. And I was buying it for myself, right? But I was gonna use her credit as well. So I said, you're gonna co-sign with me with this car. And as I was sitting down with the lady, the lady was like, okay, so what is the, the registration gonna say? Is it gonna say Nick Delgado and Karen Delgado? Or is it gonna say, or? And I said, well, what's the difference? I was drunk, you know, not drunk, but I was in my, deep in my disease at this time. And she said, well, if it says and, uh, and you decide to sell it, she needs to be there too. <laughs> Put or. <laughs> that made sense to me. I'm an engineer type, so and and or gates are, are a little bit different as well. Um, so why am I here today? Uh, if you've decided you want what we have and you're willing to go through any, uh, willing to go through any lengths to get it. So I started coming to AA in 2010 by order of the United States Navy after some shenanigans I got myself into in Hong Kong. Um, and then uh, it wasn't until 2020 in September where I got my first year. So I had some time in and out of the rooms um, and I just know that uh, I didn't want to do the program I mean, it's all the same kind of stuff, right? Didn't want to do the steps, didn't want to get a sponsor, didn't want to do the program. I just showed up to meetings and white knuckled it. And each time, just like it says about more about alcoholism, I would go out, it would get worse, I'd come back, I'd go out, it would get worse, and come back. And until my rock bottom, which happened um, in September of 2019, uh, I engaged uh, this man I saw speak at the Alcohol Alano Club, who's my sponsor still today. Uh, I engaged him, ran up on him, said, I'm going to do anything you tell me to do. I'm going to do all the work. I'm going to text you every day, all the stupid shit that you're going to tell me to do. I'm going to do it. <laughs> and I did. God has paid out pretty amazing. Uh, since then, I got married. I had a kid. I graduated from college. I made chief petty officer of the United States Navy. I retired. Um, tons of stuff has happened in the past couple of years. But maintaining a relationship with a wife who's also in recovery and trying not to be a dickhead to her on a regular <laughs> basis is probably the most, you know, the, the biggest reason why I'm here today, right? Um, so I uh, met this woman, her name is Tiffany, and she just so happens to do BBA. And I was like, hey, uh, I wanna jump on that. I wanna learn more. Not only that, I need a female to take me through it because I have problems with women. I have a jacked up mom and a bunch of sisters that hate me, cousins, females, you know, and then lots of other women that have come into my life that I've just had lots of problems with. And it's still there. There's some shit that's still in there and I want it out. Um, I need to learn how to be less rigid and a little bit more sensitive and understanding. And I don't have that. And I don't believe that I'm gonna get it from my male sponsor who doesn't do BBA. He's NAAA, I love him, he's the best guy ever. You know, He saw me graduate last year, he saw me make chief last year, it was awesome. But I think I need to take a different angle. Um, and so that's why I'm here. And it was funny because I was talking to my wife the other day and she was like, oh, so you're gonna do what she suggested. And I said, 20, after 22 years in the Navy, I'm gonna tell you right now, I don't do 
what is suggested. Suggested is a great word for the newcomers that come into the room and you really don't want to like tell them what to do right off the bat because you know they're going to just run back out there. I do what I'm told. So she says you're going to do an in-house BBA meeting once a week. So I will be seeing you guys more and more uh, because my Tuesday top of the hill meeting was definitely also has to be on as one of the priorities. So uh, I'll see you guys more. So thanks Thank for letting you. me share. Rick Alcoholic. Rick. Glad to be here. Um, I apologize for having to tromp out of here in the middle of the meeting for a few minutes, but uh, it's one of those things I had to make a phone call. So, um, My alcoholism uh, started also at a young age. Uh, I think it progressed. I had, you know, my folks had alcohol around the house, but it, they always had it for everybody else. You know, a lot of relatives did a lot of drinking, but they were probably the ones that were setting a good example for me. Um, they would have a couple throughout the night, stay clean up, up early the next morning. But I'd watch my uncles and my cousins and, who were older, and I idolized them more than I did my parents. So right, right from the beginning, I was attracted to it. Um, smoking cigarettes, uh, they all smoked, my folks quit, you know, everybody smoked in the early days, but uh, um, I started sneaking cigarettes earlier on, then as a young teenager, uh, uh, I can remember, I don't know what the first time I drank, I don't recall, but I know on vacation with my folks in a motorhome, I couldn't have been 12, 13 years old, by the time I was 16, I never went on vacation, once I got a car, I never went on vacation <laughs> with them anymore. But um, uh, I, uh, there was always in the shower, in the, in the bathroom, there was an ice chest and it was full of beer always. And uh, so I decided uh, I was going to have a couple of those beers. And of course, when you're 12, 13 years old and you, you're nervous and you're sneaking them, you chug them down in a couple of minutes. And I walked outside. And of course, it was pretty obvious to all the adults that were at this bonfire. Well, they thought it was pretty funny, except for my mother, who had an alcoholic father. And she wasn't too happy with me or anybody else for laughing. But um, it just progressed from there. Um, I had many years of where I could control it. I, I used to call it, I was just a functioning, or a heavy drinker, not even a functioning, because I didn't have, I didn't think I had any kind of problem. Um, it's funny how you hear different substances come up. Uh, I don't really look at my being that problem, but I grew up in, in this area back in, uh, back when the cocaine became real popular. I was kind of cheap, so I never got too much of a problem, but uh, it was everywhere. I mean, but it sure would help with your drinking. And then as I got older, this town, the, you couldn't even find cocaine. It was all crystal meth in those days, and boy, that I could drink all night and go to work the next day, and I used to think that was a functioning drinker, you know, and uh, I think that just accelerated everything. I didn't have, when it finally came to the point, I had to, I didn't have a problem there, but I think it just accelerated the alcohol, the amount of alcohol. I could drink a lot anyway, but this would let me drink twice as much, and uh, and I think it deteriorated my body, my health, and then I, by the time I got 50, I was having some severe health problems. Uh, pancreatitis uh, just it was it was breaking down I couldn't I couldn't function I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't be that functioning alcoholic anymore 
and um, it just took over took over control of my body, which I always thought I had control of, to a, to I didn't anymore. So I'm just glad I'm here and I can keep working at it. Thank you all. Thank you, man. <laughs> Jessica, yeah, what, I see, what are you looking out there at the sunset? I am trying not to catch eye contact. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Christian. Hi, I'm Jessica, I'm an alcoholic. Jessica. Um, welcome, Nick. I'm glad you're here. Um, and thank you, Pat, so much. Um, you know, I was listening to it and I was thinking, because um, I've only known you in recovery, you know? So I was like, it, I, I just can't imagine that person that you were describing. And, um, and that's like the kind of evidence that I get when I come to AA, you know, like really seeing someone and, and how, um, how they're different. And um, I, I really was thinking about, um, it, you know, what it says in the doctor's opinion. And I, I really, I would not give this compliment to everyone in the world, but it says, you know, he has not drank for a great many years. I see him now and then, and he is as fine a specimen of manhood as one could ever wish to meet. And um, I mean, really, I, I was, yeah, <laughs> I'm just, uh, very, um, I'm really impressed with what happens here, you know, with what I see in people. And um, I'm really glad that you brought up the spiritual experience at the end of the book. It's definitely one of my favorite parts of the book um, because it explained to me, um, you know, what is, it says, you know, spiritual awakening, the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism. And um, so for me, who did come in with a lot of prejudice in terms of religion, and um, that was really helpful. That's all it is. It's a personality change. And I get it as a result of working the steps. You know, it says in step 12, as the result of these steps, I am promised some kind of spiritual awakening. And um, every time I've done the steps, I, I get one, you know, and I don't know what I need at any given time, but I think that the, the higher power does. Um, and I just, I, just, I just really liked that, and it was really helpful for me. Um, and this idea that, like, a lot of people have the educational variety, like, the slowly over time. Um, and for me, a big part of it was literally, like, coming here and, and seeing, like, changes like this in people and hearing um, stories like that. Um, I really need it in AA because, um, yeah, I just, it just, it just helps me. <laughs> To keep going, because sometimes, honestly, when I like look out in the world and what I see in the world, I get a little disappointed. And but when I come here and I really see like true, sincere, like honest people trying to help other people, it really helps me keep going. And um, so I'm just very grateful um, for for that. And um, my sponsor used to do this with me. She'd play this little trick. She would say, 
We emphatically wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing her problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided she does not close her mind to all spiritual concepts. And my sponsor said, wait a minute. No, my book says, most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic, except Jessica, capable of honestly facing her problems, and she's like, doesn't that mean any alcoholic? Anyone. So anyone can recover, provided that they do these things, and they don't have like this, this attitude. So anyways, I'm just very uh, grateful to be here tonight. And um, thank you again for your share. When do we start the birthdays? Oh, uh, 8.15. Oh, okay. We're running out of people. David? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Yo soy David y soy un alcohólico. Well, David and I am an alcoholic. And Pat, thank you very much. Uh, it's a great pleasure to hear you all the time. You know, because you are uh, one of the first people that helped me in my recovery. So I'm grateful, you know, and I, I always like, you know, I always get something from you every time you speak. So you were talking about, you know, growing up with, uh, with your family and the only alcoholic was you. you. You know, for me, it was the other way around. Everybody in my family drinks. Everybody. Everybody in general. But they don't drink a little. They drink tons of alcohol. But I can see that some of them... They don't have an issue with the alcohol at all. You know, I went, uh, we go on vacation every year and I make sure that all of us, we are seven of us, get together. And we, uh, we get together for two weeks and that is alcohol, you name it. You name it. Every single thing that you want, they drink day and night, you know, and before, when I used to join them, I used to have the craving for alcohol. I used to say, my God, what, why, when can I do this? I will do this again. Because I, I was savoring, I was mentally, my mental obsession, and ment my mind was telling me, one day you're gonna drink again. So I used to go sit down with them and suffer. And used to think how, you know, how to, you know, to get drunk again with them and, and to drink like they drink, you know, because they drink like a son of a bitch and they get up next day and they don't have an issue at all. You know, most of them, I said. But right now, you know, with the program since four years ago, I see things different, completely different. You know, I can see right now where my disease is. I can see where the program BBA gave me because now I laugh about it. You know, I don't have the craving of alcohol. I don't have the craving to drink. It's not even in my mind to drink. I actually have fun getting these guys, seeing them drunk and make, you know, all kind of goddamn crazy stuff, you know, talking out loud, fighting, and blah, blah, blah. But it's a couple of my nephews that they have an issue. I can detect it immediately, you know? And the thing is, I used to criticize these guys. I used to talk about them. I used to tell my sister, look, you, you gotta watch out for your kids because these guys have a goddamn problem, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and right now, this is the people that I love the most. These two guys, I go and sit down with them and I talk to them and I see them cry 
and I can see the suffering, you know, but the impotence, and you know, that I cannot transfer, you know, I cannot put a little bit of what I'm going through that they can stop suffering, is crazy. You know, it drives me crazy when I sit down with, with this, this, this nephew of mine, and, and he cries all the time, and I can see, you know, the suffering, and, 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 and the impotence, you know, of, uh, he can stop drinking. And, and his mental, I can, I can read it immediately. So, you know, the program tells us, you know, to go a little by little, you know, and just talk about ourselves, you know. So every time I go there, I tell my experience, you know. And that's all I can tell. And now, you know, I can give a little bit of love before I used to just criticize them, you know. Because I never give, I, I, in my mind, I never surrendered to alcohol. Right now, I can understand clearly, you know, where my disease is, you know. Oliver was saying, you know, that if you come to this room for years and you are happy, might as well go to drink. That's what I should have done a long time ago. I did it a couple of times, you know. Right now, I've, I found you know, how to live a little better. But without, you know, with, with, the, with the spiritual help, with spiritual life, I cannot do it, my friends. You know, and, and I'm going to repeat myself, this spiritual life I found it in BBA. You know, doing the program over and over and over and over again. You know, and, and every time, you know, I go home, you were talking about part of putting this program as, if, as before anything else. You know, for me, it took me 20 something years to do this. I can never, I, as a matter of fact, I can never understand, you know, what that means. Right now, this is my priority. You know, the, I cannot live without this program. I put that in priority in the morning through the day and through the night. And now I can see the difference in my life and everybody around me. So thank you guys and thank you Pat for sharing. Hi, my name is Arlene. Alcoholic, drug Hi. So I've been doing BBA since March 14. I relapsed about three weeks ago. Um, and like David says, it, it's, um, it is life-changing. Even with that little relapse, um, the fixing yourself spiritually is a huge deal. Um, Louise just asked me as I was going to the bathroom how I was doing, and I told him, I'm like, man, I haven't cried so much since I started doing BBA in like, I don't know how many years. Cause um, I don't know if you guys know about Latinas, we're just very feisty. <laughs> um, I have spent most of my life, you know, um, my parents are really black and white. Um, my sister and I are very black and white. And there's just nothing but drug addiction and alcoholism in, in my family, surprisingly, for being a Mexican family. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's been hard to find like a middle ground. Um, it's been hard to, 
to like try to to find a way to like live normal it, it, it's been hard and not because like i said the spirituality it starts to work and you know it, it's taken me a little bit of time to like kind of organize myself with like um realizing that you can make time to like pray and meditate in the morning and and read page 84 through 88 because i've just like i said i've just always been you know like this life has to be like this and especially when you're a single mom and i've just always been really really feisty and and you know there just wasn't any time to cry like none of that sissy fight you know if my dad's not dying and my kids aren't sick like we won't have time for that sissy crap you know like stuff's got to get done and um what i would do with that was you know put myself in a situation where i just um would would burst because you know it was just a lot and and i just didn't have time to to do anything but keep going uh but my solution was to you know every friday was and my kids it, it and and it's sad but at that time you know every friday was don't mess with your mom because she's gonna she she needs to drink if you guys don't want to be murdered throughout the next week mom's gotta you know and i'd come home with like a 24 pack a 30 pack and and that most of the time didn't just happen friday like carried on through sunday um you know and it, it was just an insane and and i really thought that was normal like i really i really thought that that was you know a balance <laughs> that was my balance for me supposedly because you know like you don't have time to be a sissy and then you know it's ironic because then your kids are like oh you know for what so you could play that one song and then be crying it's like i'm crying <laughs> so yeah there's like a lot of irony to to the whole thing but um you know applying applying the time to actually i think the the first day i don't think i know the first day that i actually um prayed did the meditation and read the pages 84 through 88 <laughs> i text all of them i'm like i just read it and i'm like wow <laughs> what a what a huge difference you know like um just the serenity that i that i felt and that has just grown more and more um right now i'm just kind of in that stage where with the relapse that i had i'm, I'm kind of scared to to go out because i know how um i guess gullible i still am um so it's like i just kind of like want to be at home i took on going ahead and taking care of my granddaughters like the whole weekend they're still at my house um but i kind of did it to like be distracted have fun with them bond and then also to like i, I knew so-called friends were gonna try to get me to go out throughout the weekend or so-called barbecue but we all know what's there um so yeah i have it's pretty much all that i have to share but the the spiritual part it's it's very important and it's the only thing that's keeping me you know feeling some kind of serenity Thank you. All right. Good evening, everybody. My name is Christian. I'm an alcoholic. Thank you. We are very alike, our stories. Um, so, yeah, I came here. 
I came here for my, when I first got here in 98, I came here for my alcohol problem. So what I really thought was that um, alcohol was the issue. Remove the alcohol, problem solved. Um, so I did, you know, I, I removed the alcohol, which wasn't easy. Um, you know, there's a line in the book where it talks about AA and, it's, and, and the person is asked, the newcomer is asking, do you have a sufficient substitute? And um, it didn't seem sufficient because I still needed to go to the bars. I still needed to be in that lifestyle of playing pool, shooting pool, hitting on girls, um, just being around friends who like to be a little bit wild and just have fun. It's like the substitute that I thought Alcoholics Anonymous had to offer, I didn't really want, but I showed up because it was kind of what I thought I needed to do. Go to one meeting a week, not call a sponsor that I had, and rest on my laurels from the first three steps I did in rehab. And um, so essentially I was the same person minus alcohol. The problem wasn't removed really, because. I started to, so I went on a sick one for six more months, just like you. I want, did, started drinking again, started doing lots of cocaine, and um, eventually I got to a bottom sufficient enough for me to have enough willingness to realize, and I guess there was kind of a moment of clarity to where I realized that I was going to die if I continued doing what I was doing, and I knew there had to be more to life than what really all I wanted out of life, which was drinking and drugs. Like, and I knew there had to be more, and I knew I had a very small window of opportunity to act on that. And um, so I asked to go to rehab again. And fast forward, kind of like to my life back into, you know, I, I immersed myself into Alcoholics Anonymous. I was as desperate as a dying person could be because I knew I was going to die. Um, and as I started going through the steps, and it's been a very slow process for me too, but... Um, I, do, I, was, I was all in when I, when I came here this time around, the second time around. And I realized that a meeting wouldn't keep me, just a meeting wouldn't keep me sober, or just going through the steps or not working with others. I knew I would not be able to stay sober with that. And I knew that I wouldn't be able to have this connection to this God that I didn't really understand either. And I was hesitant on that, but I was desperate enough to like seek and find, not even find, just seek and try and like understand what this is about. And I, to this day, I can't really tell you what God is, who God is. Like I, it's not my job to explain to other people or alcoholics what God is to me, but I think it is my, my duty and my purpose as an alcoholic to share what, how God has manifested himself in my life as a result of taking actions on a regular basis. And, um, you know, I continue, I, so I really, in the beginning, I started to really get involved with what, says, what it says on our token, which is unity, service, and recovery. Unity is when I'm a part of, for me, what that means is I'm a part of a home group where I show up on a regular basis. I have friends there. And I'm accountable to people. I have a sponsor. And so there's the unity portion. That's cool. It, they, it was explained to me that it's like um, a three-legged tripod. You know, they, they don't work really, really work too well with two legs or one leg. So that was the same thing with this circle and triangle and this equilateral triangle. One side being unity, the other part being service, which is on the bottom, which is me going through the steps, which addresses this spiritual malady and also the mind and and then, so I'm going through the steps in, on a regular basis till, still to this day. And then 
recovery, which is I have found that the darkest moments of my life have become my biggest assets. And, I, and, and it's my duty as, an, as a recovered alcoholic to share the message of hope to other people. If I'm not giving that message out, if I'm not putting my hand out, then I'm really only sitting on a two-legged stool or a tripod, which doesn't work for me. I need to be involved in all three in order to be whole. And I have 20 seconds. And so, like, in this process, like, you know, I was... I'm 22 years sober now, but I, I started seeking and wanting more. Uh, I, I, I wanted to grow in understanding and effectiveness, which it talks about like in our step 10. And I was like, you know, I started to hear a lot of people talking about BBA and I wanted to show up. And it just kind of opened my eyes and experience to like really have a closer relation, personal relationship with this God and understand that the whole problem, the whole root of my problem is selfishness and self-centeredness. How do I get rid of that? Um, because I need to get rid of that if I want to have any sort of peace and contentment in my life and, and be connected to this power, which is the only thing that's going to stop me from, from drinking. And so that's what Big Book, of, uh, Big Book Awakening has really opened my eyes to the possibilities of what this book is and really breaking it down and having a personal experience around that and being able to identify more with what Alcoholics Anonymous is all about. It's all about action. And you said like, you know, there's, Nick said, I'll wrap it up with this. Um, you know, there, there's suggestions, you know, we talk about suggestions, but there's also a lot of musts. And there's a lot of things that I need to do that I must do. And one of the things is it talks about in the fourth step how we must be rid of selfishness or it kills us. And that's why I'm still here is not only to, well, to be rid of that selfishness and get connected to this, stay connected to this power, but carrying this gift that I found here in, in showing up in every situation in my life as to what can I give instead of what I can get because I was a taker for so long and even into sobriety. And I'm grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous and for BBA even breaking it down even more with a magnifying glass and really seeing what this is all about in, in living it, doing it. Um, and that's it. Happy Memorial Day. <laughs>